Well, good morning. How you doing? All right, good. I heard somebody. I just heard something, something from somebody this morning. I just want to uh, help liberate you. This is one of the words that I heard years ago from me personally, but the Lord brought it back to my attention today. There's somebody in the room that has heard this voice in some form of this kind of statement. You've tripped over something again that keeps tripping you up, and this is the voice. You're just an idiot. God is really frustrated with you. Doesn't know why you won't get your act together. And you call yourself a Christian? Anybody ever heard that voice besides me? Yeah. I want to expose something to you. It's a lie from the pit of hell. It's trying to separate you from the very source that can rescue you. Here's the truth. Run back to daddy. He's not mad. And say, I have no clue why I keep tripping over this. Can you help me? And he said, I've been waiting to help you. So just tell that thing to take a hike. There you go. All right, people have asked me in the last few months, uh, how did you and Jenny on your journey get to where you are? We've been married 34 years and um, about less than two months. And there was a point in our time that neither one of us liked each other. You ever been there? Ours got a little further. I think we hated each other. I really, I'll tell you the honest truth, where I got to the place, I had no emotion in my heart for Jenny whatsoever. Whatever love that I had for her from the beginning, whatever emotion I had for her was totally gone. And I was wishing she would take the kids and leave. Don't you want to know what I know now? Because there's something that's transformed in my heart about her that uh, she's so cute on that screen today. We went through a process that radically transformed our journey in marriage. I'm on a journey with the Lord, but I'm also on a journey with Jenny. I'm going to encourage you, get to the marriage conference. Here's why. We've gone to several of these in our lives, in our, in our journey, and in that we picked up nuggets that radically transformed our relationship. Where we are today, if I gave you my heart for one minute, you would never give it back. Because what I've discovered with her is incredible. And you'll pick up these in these kind of, in these settings. That way, if you're in pain, I understand pain. We lived in pain for 10 or 12, 15 years. Now we're on the other side of that and all of our kids have left home. It's good. It's really good. There's light at the end of the tunnel. It's not a train. It's really good. But there's a couple of things we picked up, some of the secrets to how do you have a successful relationship. We picked those up in marriage conferences like this. I'm just going to encourage you. If you have to sell something, sell something to get there. I don't care. Just do it. If you'll make a deposit, I promise you, 
We began to make several deposits like this into our marriage. We learned how to take vision retreats. We started taking vision retreats three to four times a year out of a marriage conference. We picked up that nugget that radically transformed us. Well, we would go away at least one night, maybe two, three, and sometimes we'd look to try to see if we could stretch it for a week, but we never could. But we, we did this to put deposits into our marriage. We learned from those, those conferences a date night. No one ever got Friday night from us, ever. And again, you could say, well, we can't afford dates. We couldn't either. That's why we went and looked at model homes. They're free. <laughs> you can go dream all you want to dream in model homes, and they're free. We got to the place that we would drive around to find the doors that were unlocked so we didn't have to talk to the sales associate. But, you know, we'd split 99 cent, uh, you know, Wendy's. Still wearing some of that. But uh, it doesn't matter. Then nobody would get Friday night. We told our kids, you better not call unless you're close to death. If there's blood, that doesn't mean you're close to death. Better be a lot of blood. Everybody else got my voicemail. And that began to speak volumes to her. So I'm just encouraging you, whatever it takes. The reason most marriages are not working today, do you know 60% of people are divorcing in the church as well as outside the church? Yeah. Folks, we better wake up. Yeah. Do you know why? Because every time we make a withdrawal into a bankrupt relationship, it sends a non-sufficient fund notice. You've got to make deposits. When I make a withdrawal from my wife, and I still do, she makes withdrawals from me. There are times we make withdrawals now, but we're not bankrupt because we've made too many deposits. You have got to learn to put some stuff in there, okay? So I just encourage you. That's free, no charge. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Romans chapter 1. Uh, in the last three or four uh, weeks, we've been talking about the journey and how do, we, how do we get to a place of rest. There is a place of rest. On this journey, how do, we, how do we stop starting and stopping, starting and stopping? And we've been looking at Paul's journey and how he got saved. And I've been telling you things about my journey. Uh, when I got saved at 14, now that I'm about to be 56, what's happened in this journey, and I'm still journeying. Listen, I don't have this all figured out. If you don't know by now, newsflash, I don't have this all figured out. But I am a lot further in the journey than I was when I was 14. And I've had along the way to reject a few things. A couple weeks ago, I told you in some denominational church, they said, this is not for today. And I said, reject. I'm looking for what is for today, and I want what, I, I want what this has. So stop telling me what's not for today and start telling me what is for today and tell me how that's going to empower me to win now. That's what I'm looking for. What I've began to discover in this journey that I'm on, as well as I'm looking at other people's journeys. See, I look at the hall of fame of faith. Those people all had journeys. They all look different. But if you began to study their lives, the difference of David and Joshua and Moses and Abraham when you look at what they did and how they accomplished what they did, it all comes down to certain key that I'm going to show you today. And it's a, it's a key that will take you off of the roller coaster and put some stability into your life that you can stop this stopping and starting, stopping and starting my relationship with God. This is what I found when I got saved at 14. Man, was I on a high. Things were incredible. 
I had never known the life of God like this. I began to hear God's voice, even when I was told God doesn't speak. Well, he may not talk to you, but he talks to me. I mean, that's okay. I like it. I need it. I want it. I mean, can you imagine being married to Jenny for almost 34 years and never talking? I know for some of you right now, that would sound really good. <laughs> I'm telling you, I don't want a relationship where you can't communicate. That's not what I signed up for. I'm just telling you right now, God loves to communicate with his kids. And he's in a good mood. I was just talking to him backstage. He said, I'm happy. If you thought he was in a bad mood, he's not. He's not even frustrated the health care bill didn't get voted on this week. Didn't bother him a bit. He's excited. What I want to show you is how is one of the greatest disciples of the Lord, what he says in Romans is Paul, how did he live his life in such a way that he never got to the place he wanted to quit? Now, what you think, that's miraculous. Because this old boy experienced some things that would make all of us want to quit. Think about it. He penned some key words today that I want to show you. I want to show you the tactic of the enemy. I want to show you what the purpose of the Lord, and then I'm going to show you the key to stabilize your life that you get off this roller coaster and you don't ever have to get on it again, and you can see it clearly, and you can walk out of here going, I'll never, I'll never go for that one again. You watch. I'm going to win from this moment on, and I'm not, you know, three weeks ago, I told you that, I, you know, I got the phone call, the dreaded phone call that my grinder at my home in Texas went out again. Do I remember that? Well, it did go out. It cost me 1500 bucks. It sent me reeling for two or three days. And the reason it did is because I didn't want to pay $1,500 for a grinder that was supposed to last 10 years. And this was not just another grinder. It was my fifth one. And the house is only 10 years old. My neighbor down the street has been in his house the exact same time. He's a good friend of mine. And he has had one grinder for 10 years. I have paid for five. They run somewhere between $1,500 and $2,000. That got my goat. That sent me into a downward spiral. It hacked me off. And, I, you know, if I'd have had a dog, I'd have kicked him. Why? I'm going to show you why today. Why did Paul, Saul, never fall into this trap? Because he knew something I didn't know. So I want to illuminate that to you. Romans chapter 1, look what he says. He's going to reveal three things that the enemy's trying to come against us. Watch. Number one, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I want you, if you have your Bible and you have a pen there, underline gospel of Christ. There's so much imparted or impacted into that one little phrase. You know what gospel means? Good news. It actually means too good to be true news. You know what your mama taught you about that, right? If it's too good to be true, it's, it's not true. Well, it's not true with Jesus. The too good to be true news with Jesus uh, is true. Watch what he says. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, the gospel of Christ, is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. 
Watch this, verse 17. For in it, what? The gospel of Christ is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Let me tell you, in this journey, in the last three weeks, we, what we've talked about, we have talked about the narrow is the way that leads to life. And we talked about, is it narrow before you get to the door of Christ? Or is it narrow after the door of Christ? Or is it narrow on both sides? Is it just hard? Is it just difficult? What is it with this walk? What is it with this journey? And it doesn't matter to me whether you believe it's narrow after you meet Christ or if you think it's wide open. I, that, that theology is not the bothersome. What you understand is there is resistance. Do you understand there's resistance to get to that door? The enemy's going to do everything. He does not want you to be empowered by the power of salvation, which is in the gospel of Christ. He does not want you to meet Jesus. He's going to do everything he possibly can do to keep you from making that decision. Once you make that decision, do you think he goes, dang it, lost another one? No, he doesn't. He does everything within his power to destroy the relationship you have with God. That's what you need to wake up to the fact of is, yes, there is going to be resistance, whether the road is narrow or it's wide open field and you can run as hard and fast as you want to run. Doesn't matter to me what your theology is there. What I'm telling you is there's resistance. And in that resistance, you better wake up to the reality of what he's trying to do. One, he's trying to come after your right standing with God. For in it, verse 17 says, is the righteousness of God. Look at that. For in it, the power of the gospel is the righteousness of God. What he wants to convince us of right now is that you're not in right standing with the Father. Because if he can convince you of that based on your behavior, he can get into the middle of your relationship and separate you from God. That's what he's after. It's his tactic. So he wants us to get on this roller coaster ride where we're so close to God and everything's wonderful. And now we're so far. You ever met anybody that was so close to God, they were on fire. All of a sudden, their, their hearts darkened and they don't have anything to do with him. Have you ever been that person? Multiple occasions. How in the world did that happen? You ever wonder? How did, how did I have such a, I mean... There was a point in my life for about a five-year span that God could just whisper, and I say, yes, sir. I was so close and so intent, and in a matter of a moment, I was so mad, and I didn't want anything to do with him. You ever wonder how, why that happens? How about this one? Well, if I lead them to Christ, you know, it's just a hard journey, and no one's going to be there to help them. I probably ought not do that. Anybody ever heard that voice? You know, if you lead them to Christ, you're stuck with them. You're going to have to disciple them. You're going to have to raise them up. It's going to be a pain. Am I the only idiot in the building that's ever heard that? <laughs> Do you know it's not your job to raise them up, disciple them? You can help them. It's the Holy Spirit's job. Don't take his job. He's good at it. You take a load off of you. You love them. You help them. You, you instruct them as best you can as the way they go. The Holy Spirit's job to help raise them up. He's done me. I've been on an incredible journey with him. So what I want to show you is how do you stabilize this? If he's coming after these things, he doesn't want you to get saved. Once he does, he wants to destroy your right standing. Do you understand that you cannot get out of right standing with God once you receive Jesus? Because it wasn't based on you. It wasn't based on your activity. It was based on Jesus. It was his activity. That's what put us in right standing with God. When you get in right standing with the Father, then you're in a position. Why is it we have to renew our mind? Because our old man left some residue. 
when your old man leaves some residue, he needs to be, he needs to be renewed. This is where I'm going to show you the battle here today. All right? Watch this. Third thing. If he can't get you not to receive Christ, the power of salvation, if he can't come in about your right standing, then he comes after this. Verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of man. Then the enemy begins to come after us in this area. This is what he says. You know, God's mad. Do you understand God took the wrath, his wrath out on Jesus? Do you understand that? When he took the wrath out on Jesus, he punished sin on Jesus. Do you understand sin is no longer the issue? It's not the issue. Does it affect us? Yes. Does it have consequences? Yes. Is there a punishment for it from the enemy? Yes. You cannot invite the enemy into your life, open the door, and continue in sin, and him not just beat the dog out of you. That's his goal. He wants access to us in certain ways, and that's where he's looking for it. But it's not from God's point of view. God's point of view, sin has settled. When the blood of Jesus was shed, listen, it was over. He's not coming back to do it again. It is over. Sin has been settled. Now, what is the issue? Jesus, what are you going to do with him? What are you going to do with the Savior of the world? That is the key to knowing I can step into life and be in right standing with God, even though I still have issues. How many of you know when you got saved, the next day you still had the same issues you had the day before you got saved? Now, if you were uh, in the position to be blessed enough to hear some good news upon the really too good to be true news, you may have lost a few things like you might have gotten healed as you got saved. Where I came from, they didn't believe in healing, so I didn't get any of that. But you could have, I, I know many people who got saved and healed and filled with the Holy Spirit all in the same time. I had to get it in steps, a lot of steps. But thank God I'm, I'm moving on to it. So there's three things he wants to do. He wants to destroy the gospel of Christ. He wants to come after your right standing with God. And he wants you to think God's still mad and he's taking out his wrath on our ungodliness. That's not what he's after. But that's what he wants to convince us of. Watch what he ultimately, I want to go down to verse 25. This is his ultimate goal. Watch. He who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. Why don't you look at that verse? This is the ultimate goal of the enemy. Is he wants you to serve the creature rather than the creator. If he can do that, he can wreak havoc in all of us. This is how it started with me. When I got saved at 14, uh, I came from a family that we, were, we had some religious activities, but I didn't have a relationship. When I met Jesus at 14, I had a real relationship. I had already believed a lie. One of the lies that I believed was, the day I get married, I'll be happy. Bless Jenny's little heart. She is a wonderful creation, but she is a horrible source. She's a great gift, but a not a good source of life. What I had heard, though, is from, you know, where it got planted, I don't know. I mean, in the first grade, you know, girls have cooties. Not in my world. My world, right then, they, they are a phenomenal creation. <laughs> Dad, you did good work. 
So the day I, I, I say to myself, the day I get married, I'll be happy. So we reserved ourselves for each other the day we got married, and we had a phenomenal honeymoon. Two weeks later, I wake up, and I am not happy. Anybody? Some of you discovered it on your honeymoon, didn't you? Like, what did I say yes to? I must have been drugged. Something happened. What was the problem? Was it Jenny? No. no. Problem's not Jenny. Jenny's a phenomenal gift. Problem was, I had believed a lie. Did you see on this verse? Look at verse 25. Why don't you see this? Because this is this will really help you, and then I'm gonna get to the key that'll stabilize you and move you forward. Look at this word. Wake up. Okay. He who exchanged the truth of God for what? You notice that's singular? Why is it the lies? Because there's only one. This is going to help you. There's multiple variations of the lie, but there's only one lie. Anything in exchange for God is always about what he created, and the creation will give us something the creator can't. Hello? That's the lie. Does it matter if I, if I can be the CEO and I can be in charge? I need power. I need money. I need, it's the lie. It's under the creation. It's not the source of the creator. See it? Some people are taking drugs today. There's some people in the room. You're under medication. You're either addicted to alcohol or you're addicted to prescription drugs or you're smoking marijuana. It doesn't matter. You're addicting pain, but you're looking for it to be a source to you. It's a lie. Listen, my creator, my father, knows about pain. And he can pull pain right out of your heart. You're making a cheap trade. If you're grasping for, if I could just get to this amount of money, and honey, you quit spending money, quit stop spending money. We've got, to, we've got to get this amount into the bank. And if we can get this amount into the bank, it'll give us security. It's a lie. But you see, all the way through mankind, worshiping the creation versus the creator. That's where the enemy, you remember them in the garden where Eve got whispered to by the snake, what did he say? He cast doubt on the creator and said, if you eat of the fruit, you'll be like him. Couldn't get any more like him than they were already made in his image. What was the lie? There's something else besides God that'll make you happy. You fill in the blank. If I just had blank, I'd be happy. I'm telling you, if you've got God, you've got the source of happiness everything else. So what trips us up along the way? That's what he's ultimately after. Those are the avenues that he goes in. He has one lie. He uses multiple variations to that lie. Trust me. He's tried many on me. Nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun. You know, when I heard if you get married, you get happy and you'd be happy. And then I got married and I wasn't happy. You know what his second lie was? Your picker's broke. He doesn't stop. 
Your picker's broke. If you can get rid of her and get the, get the next one, maybe on the next one you'll pick the right one and you'll be happy. Surely I'm not the only person in the room who's ever heard that. I'm just exposing his lies. What I want you to see is I'm about to show you something that will transform you for the rest of your life if you'll embrace it, regardless of what your circumstances are right now. If you'll embrace what I'm about to show you, this will transform the very next moment to the rest of your life, and it'll stabilize you from going in and out of a relationship with God. You want to see it? All right, let's go to verse 21. Paul, what he pins here is one of the greatest truths of all that I've seen in a long, long time. This is a phenomenal truth. Watch this. Because they knew God and did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Now, I want you to see something. I want you to look at the progression of this. Although they knew God, they did not, one, glorify him as God. Two, they weren't thankful. Three, they became futile in their thoughts. And four, they, their hearts became darkened. There's a progression here because they did not glorify him as God. Do you understand when you glorify God, it's hard not to be thankful? But when you don't glorify God, it means you become unthankful. And then you get vain imaginations and then your heart's darkened. You ever wonder how people start and stop, and then they're on fire, and they're off fire. This is it. Go back to the word glory. I've got a definition of a slide up there. I want you to see what that word glory says. Glorify means glorify, honor, have glory, magnify. I want to stop right there. See that word magnify? Have you ever taken anything and put it under a magnifying glass? You can do it on your computer today. Just change your font size. You can do it on your cell phone. It makes everything bigger. I had somebody the other day walk by and look at my cell phone and said, dude, I said, you're going to get old too. Shut up. <laughs> Here's where the whole problem starts and stops right here. You want to know where to win? You want to know how to win? You want to know when you stop the defeats? You want to stop when $1,500 sends you into a spiral? I'm going to show you. If you will magnify, glorify, make God bigger than any set of circumstances that come, it will do multiple things in your life. One, it will make you thankful. Two, it'll give you a great imagination. Three, it'll make your heart full of light. See the progression? It all stems on what are you magnifying? What happens? When I got the phone call of the $1,500 grinder going out again, I had a choice and I made the wrong one. I magnified what this was going to do. This is my fifth one. They're supposed to last 10 years. I'm paying for another one. I shouldn't be paying for another one. I don't want this house. I want this house to go. And you see what I'm doing? I'm magnifying this to be bigger than God. What I had to stop in a couple of days later and say, who cares about the 1500 bucks? Who cares that it's my fifth grinder? Who cares that it feels like a money pit? Who cares the house hadn't sold? 
God, you're so much bigger than all of these things. You're marvelous. You're, you're the creator. I started into that process, and I said, you know what, Dad? I'm in this set of circumstances, but you're bigger than these circumstances. I'm going to give them to you. Can I tell you, within a matter of two days, the renter that I've been trying to get to buy the house for a year called me, said, we're ready to buy the house. I said, No different. I'm talking to you about a man who wrote this, Paul. He goes into Acts. You look in Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. He steps into a city called Philippi. And in that city, he's proclaiming the gospel of Christ. People are starting to come to Christ. There's a little slave girl that's following him around. She's, she's in her teenage years, it appears in scripture. She has a gift from the enemy. It's called the spirit of divination. She's able to read your palms. She can read tarot cards if they had them. She can tell you things of the demonic. They're always with a twist. Don't think that stuff's not real. It's real. It'll mess you up too, but it's real. She had the gift, and they, there were some owners that owned her, and they used her for profit of money. What are they worshiping? The creation, not the creator. And they were using her, and she's following Paul around. This is what she's saying. Hey, this is the man who's preaching the gospel of Christ. He's the, these are the great. I mean, she was, it was almost in a mocking way. But a week into it, Paul got a little annoyed with it. He turned around and said, shut up and come out. The little girl went, and she was free. You would think everybody would be excited. The owners of her were not excited. They just lost a lot of profit. So what do they do? They stirred up the whole crowd. They attacked Paul and Silas. They beat them with rods, and they put them in prison. Now, how many of you know that doesn't sound like a very good day? I'll take the $1,500 news versus the beating with rods and going to prison. How many of you know that's a better deal? Okay? Paul and Silas in prison, shackled in the inner chambers, and Paul leans over and bumps him and says, hey, want to sing? He goes, nope. Are you out of your mind? You touch my ribs one more time, and I'm going to dot your eye, Hot Rod. I never got this until I started traveling with you. He goes, no, man, let's sing. He says, okay. They start singing. What happens? Can I tell you something? When you start magnifying God regardless of your circumstances, let me tell you what starts to take place. You position yourself for the miraculous. This is why the enemy does not want you to go there. But when I matter, I don't care what your circumstances are today. It could be with your children. It could be with your job. It could be with your spouse. It could be with other relationships. You've got in-law issues. That's why they're called outlaws. Outlaws and in-laws, they always bring issues. You're going to be one of them one day. It doesn't matter where the issue comes from. They can call you with a $1,500 grinder or a $10,000 doctor bill. You could get a death report from your doctor. Hallelujah. Glory. This is going to be good. But you have a choice. In that split second, you have a choice of what you're going to magnify. That's where the rubber meets the road on this journey. When you get to this place where, the, where you understand, no matter what report comes to me from whatever part of the region, no matter where it is, what is said, I've got a choice. Am I going to magnify that or am I going to magnify God? Paul says, hey, Silas, you want to sing? Yeah, man, let's sing. Man, Jesus, you're so good. What do you want to sing? You want to sing How Great Thou Art? Nah, let's sing something else. Come on, man. Let, you know, how about, how, you know, how about the, at the cross? Yeah, let's sing that one. And they start glorifying God 
And all of a sudden, isn't it miraculous? And it's just the timing of an earthquake to hit at that exact moment. It's amazing. And all of a sudden, the shackles fall off of them. He doesn't say it, but I wonder if they were healed that exact second. And the flipping jailer starts to, he pulls out his sword because he knows he's going to lose his life. He starts to take his own life. And he said, whoa, cowboy. Mm-mm. Come here. He falls down and says, how do I get saved? And they birth a church out of horrible circumstances because they refuse to get under their circumstances. And they, re- they refuse to magnify the circumstances. And they magnify God. And God opens up the heavens over the Philippi, the Philippi area, and all of a sudden the church is birthed. I have a little girl who gets set free and owners who get mad. Listen, I'm telling you something. We have authority over all of the earth. We're missing it by what we magnify. We're missing it by what we magnify. There's some of you in the room right now, and I've done it. I did it two weeks ago. You're magnifying the wrong message. Why did you see the way he looked at me? I don't care what your spouse acts like. It doesn't matter. You want to change the room? Magnify God. You have control of the temperature. You can go in and change the temperature yourself by magnifying God. What will it do? Bring that verse back up here. I'm going to show you something. Would you bring up the King James verse of uh, 21? Watch this. When you glorify God and you magnify, you make him bigger, you become instantly thankful. When you do that, then because it's true in the negative, it's also true in the positive, they became vain in their imaginations. You know what our imaginations become? They become so powerful that we begin to see things that God sees, and it opens up the entire universe for us to have a creative thought to do something that changes the world. And then your heart's not darkened. It's full of light, and people want to know what you got. The reason their heart was darkened is because it all started with they magnified the wrong thing. When they magnified the wrong thing, your imagination kicks in. This is how it happens. When your imagination kicks in and you get a thought in there and that imagination starts, it wraps, you know where your imagination exists? It's in your soul, mind, will, and emotions. That's why your emotions wrap around it, and that's why it sends you into a desperate spiral. Emotionally, you start straight down, and it's like all the world's coming apart. And I don't know why God's mad at me. And I don't know why he won't ever do anything on my behalf. I don't know why. Because it's all wrapped around in your soul. And what you need to do is stop. That's a lie. Wait, I caught the lie. Stop. No, God's bigger than this. God's greater than this. God is marvelous. And I'm going to go back to what, God, what do you say about this? You know how I got free from little Miss Jenny being my source? I was miserable. I was 35 years old. And when the first revelation I got was the one I told you first, I asked the Lord, I said, are you mad because I'm, I'm trapped in bondage? He goes, no, I'm not mad. I said, you're not a little bit peeved? He goes, not even peeved. Not ticked off at all? No, I love you, man. He said, run to me. Bring it to me. I said, I, I'm, I'm miserable. He goes, I know. You got to lie. I said, I know. He said, I don't want to manage fruit. I want to cut roots and get new, new fruit with new roots. And this is what he said to me. He said, do you want me to, you want me to show you what the what the truth is? I said, yes. I asked him for 90 straight days, would you show me the truth of this lie? I got a vain imagination. I want a good imagination. Give me a truth. The only way I get a good imagination is I get truth. That's the way it works. 
A lie produces bad fruit or truth produces good fruit. If you don't like the fruit, change sources. In 90 days, he showed me the woman at the well. The woman at the well said she believed that there was a man that would make her happy. That's the same lie you believe, and this is why you're miserable. And these are all the other things that go with it. You want them to go away, change, change. I want to be your source. Jenny's a great gift. Truth hit me. Bam, I was free. It was a good day. Well, I taught Jenny how to hear the voice of the Lord. She's a little Baptist girl. She didn't know anything. I tell her all the time, if I hadn't come along, you'd be stuck in San Angelo, Texas the rest of your life. I rescued you, girl. <laughs> yeah, go try to tell her that. We lived in a little small town, Fairfield, Texas, and we'd come out of the denominational church, and it was at the end of that five-year period that I had just so taken off with God, and she looked at me and she said, I don't know where you're going, but I'm going to go with you because you're loving me more now than you've ever loved me before. And I said, I'm, I'm being changed. I'm being transformed. Something's happening inside of me. I, God's doing amazing things. At the end of that five-year period, I had one lie whispered to me, and it shut me down. I've told you this. It shut me down. In the middle of that, she comes to me one day, and she said, now, we're living in a mobile home. You can stand in the middle of the mobile home and almost touch all walls. <laughs> it's a glorious life. Three kids. It's beautiful. Everybody ought to experience it at least once. <laughs> she comes to me and says, um, and she didn't do this often because she knew I was going to bite her head off. She said, <clears throat> the Lord spoke to me. Really? She said, what did he say? He said, he's going to give us a house. Now, in my carnal state, because now I have magnified the lie, and the lie is big in me. And I'm, I got my emotions all involved in it. I'm angry and I'm full of anger. And this is about the time I want her to leave. Take those kids and just go. And she says, the Lord's going to give us a house. And I said, you know, I just think you're an idiot. You don't understand how this world works. Evidently, God doesn't understand how this world works if he's telling you stuff like this. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to get her to protect herself from getting her hopes up. If anyone starts to tell you, I don't want you to get your hopes up, ask him what faith creates. Go read Hebrews chapter 11. It just says this, faith is the substance of things. But, you know, I'm going to be the balancing voice in her life. I don't want you to get your hopes up now, honey. You're going to get disappointed. That's really not what my motive was. I just thought she was stupid. I said, this is not how it works. And you, evidently, God doesn't know how it works. You have to have credit. We have a foreclosure. Remember, we bought that house. We lost that house. By the way, we paid that house off. You know, we lost that house. We have bad credit. You know you have to have credit to get a house. I don't care. Well, I do care. She said, you need cash. They want down payments. They just don't give them to you for free. Got anything else? Yeah. And you have to have a great income to provide for the house and qualify. We got three strikes. You're out. That's stupid. Don't bring it back up. She goes, I do not care what you say. <laughs> well, I am right. Not according to what God said. So... I thought we had settled that. I go back to work, and I come home, and she has packed my entire 12-foot by 30-foot mobile home. 
It's all in boxes. I'm about to blow my second gasket. I came in and said, woman, what are you doing? And she said, God said, he's given me a house. I said, we've gone over this. Do not pack my stuff. I'm not going to pull stuff out of a box. She said, I will not touch your stuff. Good, because you're going to look stupid. Six, seven days, maximum 10, I get this phone call from this guy at a church that we were at, denominational church. He said, hey, Jeff. Hey, I talked to you in a long time. What do you want? He says, uh, you know, my wife passed away. I met a lady whose husband had passed away. We got married. We have two houses. We don't need two houses. The Lord spoke to us. We're supposed to give you one of our houses. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> I said, well, um, we, got, we got problems. He said, what's the problem? I said, well, I have bad credit. I don't have any cash to put down, but I do have a good income. He goes, that's not a problem because I don't need any credit check and I don't need any of your cash. You can move in tomorrow. I said, is this a prank call? I look over and Jenny's already picked up a box. She hands it to me and says, you coming? How does that work? I gave her enough information. If she would have just magnified that for a moment, she would have lost what God said. She refused in the moment to magnify anything I said, and she magnified what God said and made him bigger than our financial issues. And she drug me through the miraculous with her. You can do it for others, but you got to be willing to be careful what you magnify. Does that make sense? You see it? This is the key to staying at rest. Let me tell you something. When you're in that position of rest, you're the most powerful being on all the earth. The enemy cannot do one thing to you. He can beat you with rods and put you in prison, but you are staying at rest and magnifying God. It puts you in a place of rest, and there's not one thing that he brings against you. God won't turn for your good and make it more powerful. I'm telling you, this is the key to living a stable life with God on the march to a heavenly place that we're all headed to, but you can have heaven right now on earth because he'll unleash it on you. This is the key. How do I know? Paul did it, and we're doing it, and you can do it too. It's happening every day. You see it? Okay. Stan. How many of you got a circumstance or situation right now that's screaming louder and making itself bigger than God? If you don't wait, it's coming tomorrow. Trust me, I know the devil. He loves to bring them. How many of you would like to flip that situation and you need a new imagination of what God's doing and make him bigger? All right. Dad, everyone in this building is raising their hand over circumstances. We all have them. Would you give us a fresh look on heaven? What you see, how you see our circumstances, these are not bigger than you. These are not greater than you. I don't care if a death sentence has been offered. You've overcome death, hell, and the grave. There's nothing, nothing that you don't overcome and win.
Let us see what you see. Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak words of life right now. Give them a fresh thought, a new look about who you are and what you're doing. May they, they never give it up. Ask it in Jesus' name. The last visual I'll give you is this. You remember where the 12 spies went into a land that was promised. Ten of them came back with a report, we can't do it. Two of them said, by God, let's go take it today. Why? Ten magnified the wrong message. Two magnified the right message and made it bigger. And those two are the only two that ever saw it. I'm telling you, this is powerful. We've all been caught with a 10. Let's get out of the 10 camp and get to the two camp. Amen? All right. I'm going to ask the altar ministry team to come up. If you're part of the altar ministry team, I'm going to ask you to be here. If you've got a set of circumstances that you want somebody to agree with you so that you can walk in the two camp versus the 10 camp, let them come pray for you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you want to know Jesus, come down here and say, I need to know the Jesus he's talking about because that's the guy I want to know and I want him to transform my life, all right? Father, we thank you for your word and your truth. I ask that you would illuminate your life in us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.